Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hello everyone, Tara Williams here with the Mom Manual. I have another amazing guest for you all. Today is Tori Meskin. She is a nurse specializing in NICU. She's worked bedside since 2013 and specializes in NICU and pediatric critical care. So Tori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Tara. I'm I'm thrilled about today. So I'm you, excited. I gave you a NICU twice in the intro. <laughs> I love that. You know, extra NICU, extra action NICU. NICU. Uh, Tori, give us your, your background, your story, how you got to where you are. Yeah. So let's back up to college days. I went to the University of Arizona. So any of my fellow Wildcats, bear down. Um, I graduated from the School of Nursing there back in 2012 and started my first job in the NICU in 2013. I have worked primarily in Orange County in the LA areas. I've also worked in neonatal as a travel nurse. I've worked part-time, full-time days, nights. I've worked at children's hospitals, university centers, primarily working in the centers where we're offering the highest level of care. We're doing ECMO. We're doing surgeries, you know, the place essentially where we take care of babies who need some extra support and love. And so I've been doing that for, gosh, 10, 11 years at this point, and then started, you know, doing a little bit of social media back in about 2018 and sharing my story and just what it's like to be a NICU nurse. And then it's just kind of grown from there. And here I am talking to you. So it's been an an amazing journey. I love how you're saying a little bit of social media. She has (laughs) 80,000 followers. So you're doing a lot of it on social media. Tell us a little bit about that account too. And how, you know, why, why did you start that? Yeah. So I started my actual social media more. Instagram is my, my home. It's my base. I'm here with, you know, I'm a millennial girly. That's where we started. I started just kind of doing some life tips initially over on Instagram. And then I went to a photo shoot with all heart scrubs. They were having at the time, they were like, let's get some real nurses and do a campaign for nurses week. And at that shoot, there were already some quote influencers, content creators. The cringe is just, you know, it's so cringy. But um, they were there and they said, hey, like there is no one talking about NICU and you should really consider starting to talk about that. And so it was kind of a an aha moment. And then I started talking about it and realized there was such a community there and it's just grown. You know, I tend to take on more of the persona of like the big sis, you know, I'm your shift worker, big sis, or, you know, I'm doing a lot of the behind the scenes of what it's like, how to become an acute nurse, what, you know, our day-to-day looks like sharing, you know, just my life and behind the scenes and, you know, kind of getting fun with it. And, you know, it's, it is definitely a taboo thing that I do, you know, working in the NICU, you shouldn't need a NICU nurse, but sometimes you do. And so I like, you said this before the podcast, but what do you mean by that? Like what, what is taboo about it? 
So I think it's taboo in the sense of we don't want to talk about the things that if it goes wrong, right? If something happens in pregnancy or something is unexpected in pregnancy or, you know, kind of the things that are, um, you know, out of the light of what pregnancy quote should be, right? And so I'm on the side of it that I receive baby when it's either most unexpected, it's something that is the hardest moment in a parent's life or yeah. caretaker or whoever it may be. Um, so it's definitely something that it's hard to talk about, but I feel like for me, I've found some really great ways to approach it, help parents, support parents, and also our future providers. There's a lot of people, a lot of my NICU girlies out there who want to become NICU nurses. So supporting them and then just creating this amazing community. I mean, I have so many NICU parents that are with me as well. And, you know, we just have, it's a fun platform and it's been a great way to sort of bring everybody kind of together. So. Oh, I love that so much. So yeah. I have two friends from high school who are both nurses and they both have been through the NICU or labor and delivery. And it's so funny because their personalities growing up, it was just like, of course, you're going to be a NICU nurse. Like just yeah. amazing. So I'm sure you're totally. just surrounded by an unbelievable community. So yeah. if you are a NICU parent or wanting to be a NICU nurse, go give her a follow. We'll put it, we'll put it in the notes uh, at the end, Absolutely. but Marie is going to talk to us today. And I love this topic. It's very specific, 13 things. I don't know if we'll get through them all that yeah. <laughs> uh, the NICU nurses wish they knew. Yes. So let's, let's jump into that um, and, and kind of begin there. Yeah. So this is a blog that I actually had created a couple of years ago. And it's sort of one of the idea of like, these are the things that I wish parents kind of knew or had an idea before you go into this big thing. And the idea behind it is you don't get in, get onto a plane without the what to do in case of emergency, right? So it's that idea of, hey, you know, you're going into this amazing, fabulous moment and, you know, you're obviously praying for the best and you're trying to keep hopeful, but it's also good to kind of go in and say, okay, what to do in case of emergency and right. And there's so many things that may happen in between or at the end or the beginning. So it was sort of just something that I've created to sort of support parents one in case they ended up in the NICU or just a way to sort of have your eye, you know, think about things just in case it was to happen. So yeah, and I think this is a great episode, not only for parents who have been in the NICU or are going to be in the, well, hopefully no one's in the NICU, but it's for anybody who's pregnant. And it's, the yeah. episode is also, it's, this is what to do in kind of that worst case scenario, but it's also things you should do just if you have a baby. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a few of these are pertinent, I think for anybody. So yeah, I think these are great tips for just in general and things that maybe to me seem very, you know, wow. yeah, like a light bulb moment, but then maybe people don't know. So yeah, the more, people, you know, people don't know, I will tell you that even right. as a one right. you still don't know. Okay. Yeah. So let's jump in a first one, do your research, but don't overwhelm yourself. Yes. Do your research to both. You know, it is one of those things where we're in such a place and time now where there is so much information, right? It's out there. There's a lot of blogs. There's a lot of this and that. And the thing I will say is every journey, every pregnancy is different. Every admission that we get from our babies is a little different. And so, you know, you just never know what your situation may be. You don't overwhelm yourself. Um, and then I'll say that for number two is during your pregnancy is something that I think is really important to consider is if you are traveling for some reason, you're doing a baby moon, you're going somewhere, you're 
you know, getting on a plane to go somewhere, just do a little research ahead of time. So you know what hospitals are available to you at that time. Also touch base with your OB and just make sure everything is good to go. I cannot tell you the amount of times I have had patients who are admitted to our hospital who are out of state or even out of the country. And that's just babies come when they want to come or things happen. I've had anything from, you know, mom just had an infection to car accidents to just things happen, right? It's life. But it's just good to know what hospitals are around and what's available should anything happen. And then along that line as well, I would really recommend, you know, it's your first time really, I think, as a woman when you're so invested in your body and understanding you know, everything, you know, this is sort of like a whole new thing. And I'm a big advocate for really getting to know your OB or your OB team. And then also what hospital you're delivering at. Every hospital that you're delivering out in theory should have at least a level, you know, one or two NICU, but not every NICU can care for every NICU baby. So it's just good to have an idea of, oh, this is a, you know, a level two NICU. If anything did happen and the baby would need, you know, higher level care, where would they go? How, you know, where are we talking? Just so you have an idea or you're mentally prepared for, you know, things that may happen, you know, as a parent, when you have kids, it's going to be the same thing, right? You have kids that get sick. So you're like, where do I go? What, where's my pediatrician at? You know, where's the nearest hospital? It's the same thing with pregnancy. Just think like, okay, if I was going to go anywhere, where would we be going? So yeah. So, so you're not in a situation and then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we're going to take you to this NICU. And you're like, Whoa, 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 that's not has a level three. And like, I know this, are there people who are giving birth knowing their baby's going to be in the NICU? Is that sometimes? Yep, absolutely. We have. Yeah. So situations, there's a couple situations where that might be. So for a mom who is giving birth potentially to triplets, I wouldn't, I say twins, not always. I say actually twins nowadays tend to do really well. We don't see them nearly as much as we used to in the NICU. Triplets, you'll definitely say, or uh, multiples beyond that. We also get a lot of babies who require surgery. So if they know that there is a congenital heart defect or they're requiring something beyond, you know, whether it's a, we call them TEF, which is an esophageal atresia, essentially, there's three types, they require surgery. So there's a lot of different things that would fall into the category. And, you know, under, okay, we're going to be delivering you at, for example, this NICU because they have the availability to care for this baby. So typically, if you know pre that you're definitely going to be going into NICU, they will usually have you deliver at that hospital typically. That makes sense. Yeah. So I would say probably more. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not, I have no opinion. I'm asking you, I guess, is it more babies are unscheduled to come to the NICU? Like the birth happens and then they come? Yes. I would say the majority of parents are not aware that that's going to be the situation after birth. I would say that's majority of the case. Yeah. So this is where we want to do our research and just get a little bit of education, but not too much to freak ourselves. Yes, right? totally. 100%. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Um, the next thing I would say is in terms of from the NICU side. So let's say you do end up in a situation where you're in the NICU or potentially going to the NICU. My biggest thing is communicate, communicate, communicate. And I will say for whoever the mom is, you know, let's say they're giving birth, the partner, it's really their time to step up and shine, right? So they can definitely be the ones to initiate questions, to really start proactively getting involved, understanding who the team members are, 
in the NICU, it can be a little overwhelming because you have doctors, you have nurses, you have respiratory therapists, you have occupational therapists, you have lactation consultants. There's a lot of people and oftentimes a lot of moving parts. So that's a time where I really encourage partners to really step up and, you know, say, oh, hey, what's your name? Like, what's your role here? And then, you know, really trying to touch base and understand, you know, what's the full picture, what's going on. So the more you can communicate, the better. And that's typically, in my experience, you know, helps parents a lot in the process through the NICU. And you're talking both, if there are two parents, both of the parents should be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Parents or foster or adoptive or caretakers, whoever it may be, you know, it's definitely to have them, you know, as you know, having a baby, typically those first three days after birth, you are in such a fog. You cannot remember anything. It is like such a thing. It's like the amnesia is real. Yeah. Like, I mean, the amount of women, you know, you just that I have had over the years, you just postpartum is such a strong incredible crazy time to me that's really time for the partner to really step up and help communicate let's say you also are someone that ends up in the NICU there's a couple other things that I would really consider so the first thing is kind of to along this line with communicate is to make a running notes page or questions in your phone so keep those questions because a lot of times you'll be sitting at 2 a.m where you know and the doctor's not there or whatever the case may be and you have this question well jot it down in your phone and save it for later something else that I think is really valuable and something that I think we really underutilize is the power of journaling. In order to frame it, you could do something like the letters to my baby. And um, really, it's a way to sort of help you kind of cathartically get things out, right? And, you know, tell baby what's going on right now and just kind of get it out on paper. I absolutely love this. And then potentially reading it back to baby, right? Because now there's so much research into the benefit of parents reading to their children in general, right? Like it's bonding time. It's a time for them to really hear you. For our babies, the auditory sense is one of the strongest senses right away other than smell. Smell and sound are definitely like the heightened key things that we really try and, you know, key on. So with our parents, we always, you know, have them come in. We do soft, amazing voices, you know, kind of because baby would be hearing muffled outside of mom typically, right? So whether it's partner or mom, just to read the letter that you created or a book to baby, there's so much power behind reading to our babies. I love that. I think it's such a cute idea. I, I have some friends who set up emails for their oh, kids and maybe beyond just the NICU, but, and they write a letter to them, you know, once a month or once a quarter or their birthday or whatever that is. And then when the kids are older, they can show them that email address. And it's like these unread cute. letters. And I always think, I mean, this takes on a morbid piece, but like, oh my gosh, if I ever died, like this would be a legacy for my kids. I love, I really love that. I yeah, love that. They, I mean, I'm hoping I'm not going to die, but, and I of have my children, so I need to get yeah. I have to on that. Okay. What do we have next? Okay. So the next one, this is for more of my parents who maybe are in the NICU, or maybe you find yourself in the NICU. And this is kind of based on unit to unit. It could be a little different, but you can personalize or decorate the space a little bit. So in the beginning, typically we try and do, you know, a pair of feet prints, right? And then we'll make them a little sign. Every NICU is a little different, but most NICU nurses, especially the night shift nurses, we try and make sure we're doing something special. But nowadays they have really amazing like milestone cards that are specific to NICU because 
in the NICU, we're considering things like maybe baby's on a ventilator, maybe they're in an isolate, or maybe, you know, this is the first day they're able to eat by mouth and they're not necessarily getting it through a tube in their nose or their mouth. Maybe it's the day that it's our first day that we get to hold skin to skin and we get to do the kangaroo care. So they have really amazing, there's actually a fellow, she's a fellow NICU nurse who's created these amazing milestone cards for pretty much any baby under the NICU sun, there's something in there for them, which is really nice. And depending on the hospital, sometimes you can, you know, create a little sign and hang it up on the window or kind of get creative. Sometimes we do lights like dim lights, oftentimes white sound machines or noise machines where it's a low sound. And, you know, when it's age appropriate, because that's not necessarily age appropriate for all of our NICU babies, but for the babies who it's appropriate for, you can definitely do that. So they have something to sleep two at night. Mobiles. Sometimes we'll do like a black and white mobile. The black and white mobiles right now are very in vogue and it's very, we're loving this. So especially for vision and that applies for our NICU babies too. So we typically try and find a way to hang it. Even if there isn't like an official, you know, we, we find a way. So every NICU again is a little different, you know, but again, there are ways that you can make it personal and you can, you know, try and kind of feel like you're owning the experience as you're going through it. Yeah. And I think this is, this is more for babies who are in there a little bit longer, right? Not like that. Yeah. Is there an time for babies that are in the NICU? You know, it's tough to say. I would say for the babies who are born one in nine. So the one in nine babies who are born specifically prematurely, I want to say that particular case, it's probably about a two month to three month stay, just depending on. Yeah, but for, you know, then there's the babies who have difficulty with breastfeeding who are a bit jaundiced and they just, you know, they need or require some IV fluid and to go under lights. Maybe that's a couple days um, until you're figuring out breastfeeding versus if you need supplement and what that looks like for baby and for parents. Um, So it's just all of our, it's so hard to say. And it also is a little bit different NICU to NICU, right? So because NICUs start from level one, which is your nursery level all the way to level four. So your level four NICUs are your specialty hospitals, the university centers, um, where they have in-house surgeons and consults and where, you know, the highest life-saving procedures are done. So I would say more uh, on the level three and level four, you're looking at typically longer stays in the NICU, just based on the nature of you know, the reason the babies are admitted. So just kind of depends, but we're all over the board. Yeah. Today's episode was brought to you by Dreamland Baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep, the Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the Mom Manual and founder of Dreamland Baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wit's end. Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary CoverCom technology, evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. 
If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest? Do you ever see the babies born with neonatal abstinence syndrome? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll have to talk after, but Dreamland Baby has a program where we donate our uh, rated sleep snacks. So we're in a <sighs> now we love you Uh, I know those babies they're sweet sweet little things Um, I will say for people who don't know what that is it's for mothers who may be addicted to certain medications drugs other things like that and when babies are born they do have withdrawal you know withdrawal signs and symptoms so it could be anything from sneezing they literally do not want to sleep you know they're really fighting a lot of these things that you know affected them during birth so those are amazing I will say mama roos are a lifesaver weighted sleep sacks are a lifesaver so thank you because that is very helpful for all of your your NICU nurses and the staff too so yeah yeah well we'll we'll connect afterwards and we'll get make sure some are at your hospital and you know any other NICU nurses in your in your world Um, that's, that is my, uh, the closest I have been is with, you know, through the company, but with the four children I've had, all of my kids have been a lot bigger. So my smallest was eight pounds and my largest was nine, three. So I had very, very developed babies. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We love it. So those babies in the NICU, are they typically smaller or because I know that the neonatal abstinence in our babies are usually full term, like usually the full term, I would say yeah. in the NICU, like smaller, different sizes or is it's it all over the board, you know, and like sort of on the side of the larger babies, we call um, LGA babies, which are large for gestational age. A lot of those babies tend to be um, babies of diabetic, you know, gestational mom or just, you know, type two or type one diabetes where the sugars are basically pumping, pumping, pumping. And we'll get babies who are very large, you know, and so whether it would be issues after delivery with baby physically going through canal and having shoulders dystocia or maybe in the c-section because babies when they're that big it can affect you know the the birth could be a traumatic birth other thing with those babies would be concerned for blood sugars so they would definitely come to the NICU and we trend their blood sugars very closely because their sugars actually when babies are born they bottom out so once they no longer have the constant source of the sugar the glucose from mom then their sugars go dangerously low and can affect, you know, brain function long-term. We have everything from that down to, you know, your 20 to 23 weekers who are premature, who come for sometimes unexplained reasons. We just don't know. It can be infection. It could be potentially stress in mom's life. that's just affecting you. And, you know, baby's just, you know, telling you it's time to come out. It could be cervical. There's a lot of, lot of things in my head that's going on with prematurity, but a lot of different reasons. We don't know the exact reasons mm-hmm. always, you know, you can kind of take good estimated guesses as to why babies are born prematurely, but we don't always know why. So the NICU just sounds like it's so, it's so all over the map, yes. right? Yeah. So length of stay, size of baby, reason, all those things. So just going back to talking about decorating your space, yes. you also have some advice on what to gift parents. Yes. Right? Tell, yes. tell us a little bit about that. I love 
the different cards and like the Etsy stuff. What are those Nikki parents really need? Friends have really, they want to help, but it's like, oh, what do I do? How do I help? Like, tell yeah. us all the things. Yeah, in terms of gifts. So I'm someone who really enjoys giving a basket or just creating something kind of fun and curated. So something that's a little unique to the NICU would be something like scent cloths. So you can actually find these on Amazon and you can literally type in like NICU scent cloth or something. And typically it looks like a little animal or they have a little octopus one as well. They are also called loveys. NICU loveys. And essentially it's something that you would put on yourself and or partner or dad or mom or whoever it may be. And then you can put it in with baby. So they have your scent and vice versa. So you can keep it in with baby and then keep it for yourself. That's really something nice to add your basket. I'm also a big fan of all these, the glass bottle thing that's going on right now. I love glass bottles. Not every NICU would, it's depends on NICU to NICU. My NICU would absolutely be fine with you bringing in your glass bottles and using those pacifiers there's a lot of really great what is is the glass bottle trend I don't know about this so okay instead of doing you know plastic right because plastic you know it's it's great because it's lightweight it's easy it's durable but I glass they're finding is actually a little bit better in terms of just right like it's environmental but it's also I think less of a I don't know. You know, in my head, I'm like, we're just trying to get as clean as we can, right? So glass bottles would be kind of fun. We're talking about like a water bottle gift. Oh, yes. Like a bottle, you know, Dr. Brown, I'm sure carries them. A lot of different Advent carries the bottles. Yes. Babies. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. So glass bottles for the milk. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yep. Most babies, I will say in terms of Eating will at some point be eating by a bottle. There's a lot of different ways to eat, right? But even babies for us are preemies who are growing, growing, growing. Initially, it starts with, you know, they're getting IV nutrition and then it goes to a little tube that goes right into their stomach. And then you're graduating and then going to bottle, right? And then also supporting mom with lactation. So it's most babies will be at some point in the NICU. I can't say all of them, but that's a really good one. Another good one to always kind of throw in there are pacifiers for babies sucking. And I know this is very controversial, so don't come for me, but sucking, it's actually a really good thing for our babies with pacifiers. It helps them practice the suck, swallow, breathe. It gets their muscles in their jaw starting to work. Also, we can coordinate it with their feeds. So we would put the pacifier in when they're receiving their feeds potentially by their by their tube. And so it's a really good thing. It's also just very soothing. It's something for our babies that, you know, if mom and dad are either unable to be there or maybe babies unable to be held for our babies, pacifiers are definitely a much needed thing. It's a great tool and it's something you can always wean off later, but in the moment to keep stress low, it's a really great tool that we use. What, what is the controversial piece about pacifiers? Um, so there, there's a lot of talk around pacifiers that would cause oral diversion or aversion from either breastfeeding or, you know, that it would cause them to want to eat from a bottle more. There's a lot of studies out there. You can find studies that would point both ways. As a NICU nurse, I'm very pro pacifier. Every NICU nurse is just because we know the value of you know, for our situations with our babies, the value of de-stress or keeping the stress low for babies is very important. And so that's one of the soothing techniques that we really like to use. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, I think you hear that. Oh, one of the, one of the things about bottles, and this is, this is where it, I think that comes up is 
when I had my, especially my third, because my third was born, my oldest was two and a half, my second daughter was 17 months and he was a newborn. And so I like literally just did not have time to breastfeed him. So I, mm. I would like make the nipple in the bottle bigger so that he mm-hmm. could drink faster. Yeah. So, yeah. Of course he doesn't want to go back to breastfeeding because he doesn't want to do the work. So yep. as long as you don't cut that piece at the top, I think you're yeah. fine. Right. Yeah, you know, we we are very mindful of that nowadays. So in terms of bottle feeding, right, we're doing bottle feeds with slow flows, even sometimes yeah. extra slow flow. So that way we are mimicking the flow, right? Uh, right. So what I have noticed, and this is something that I think is kind of the universal that I have seen, and, you know, you'll find you'll find things either way. So I know someone's going to come in and say, that's not what happened. I feel like the issue is a flow issue, exactly what you're saying. So if you go from feeding a baby, you know, with a regular nipple and, you know, in the NICU, you're feeding regular, 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 and then we're going to try and feed by breast. Well, yeah, you're going to have an issue because they're thinking the, you know, the floodgates are so great and I love this. And then all of a sudden you go there and there's like, what is this? You know, this is working. Yeah. The faucet's closed. So, you know, then they get frustrated. So, and it is sort of a balance and I will say transitioning or trying to help moms with breastfeeding, the way the picture looks typically is if babies are eating, you know, with the NG tube, we'll do, you know, typically like a bottle or two, you know, every other feed and then we'll do, oh, let's try and have baby breastfeed. So we're working it into the program. So it's, you know, and that's another thing in terms of for parents is just to get to know your team, like, you know, get to know your nurses, get to know your RTs and your PTs and your OTs, because we're, you know, there often, but you guys typically are there the most, or you're getting to see the baby grow the most consistently and understand their signs and their cues. And you're learning together, you're learning this human together. And so it's good to get to know your team. Going back to the the scent cloths, I think that's so interesting. What's the power of scent or or the reason behind that? So one of the most keen senses for babies at the beginning, if not the most, is scent. Scent is the way that babies know you. There's a lot of science behind, you know, even, you know how when when you're pregnant, you have this like sweat that's, it's a very specific smell that you get. Oh yeah, it's an odor. That is actually something that babies use to really, they know you, they know your smell. It's really interesting, the power of scent. So we really try and, you know, find ways to help support that. And sometimes with our babies, they're unable to be held right away, right? So we really do encourage parents to come in and you can do a little hand touch and even having your hand there in their isolate, getting their, your microbiome and with your hands clean, of course, because we are crazy clean people, but getting your smell in there, you know, and then having the scent cloth, putting it on yourself and then putting it in your isolate and vice versa. That has been shown to be very helpful long-term, you know, every little thing you can do in that way is ultimately helpful for their outcomes. And so, yeah, scent is a very interesting, something about the pheromones, the hormones and all those smells like babies know exactly when it's mom. It is crazy when you put them on mom or dad for the first time and they just nest right in and their heart rates, you know, they just go exactly where they should and their breathing starts doing well. It's phenomenal. And I will say that's when babies are stable enough because there's not always times when it is, but when it is, it's yeah. phenomenal and we love it. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So then that leads us into touch. So tell us about infant massage. 
infant massage is very specific type of massage. And I actually think there may be a course out there available in how it's done. So essentially touch is one of the most valuable ways to communicate with baby, right? It's soft. It's very slow. It's intentional. In terms of massage, we tend to try and actually do little areas that might be affected in negative ways. So for example, on the heel, our baby's heel, we do collect labs, we collect blood from the heel. Um, we do a little prick, right? And that's the way that we collect um, a basic metabolic panel or our CBC or even just a blood sugar or a blood gas. And so a little massage and taking a little bit of oil, I will say there are certain products out there that we prefer over others. The one that I'm most familiar with is the BEB organic oil, which she is phenomenal. The, the founder made these products specifically for NICU babies, but doing a soft, just sort of flow around the heel um, and in a, you know, long, slow strokes and just sort of in a calming manner, just so baby has a little bit of a positive stimulation as opposed to a negative experience with that. Um, also around a good area to do is the legs, the thighs, and then the arms, those areas are really good for the belly. It depends on the situation in terms of if you have electrodes on there, if they have, um, or surgical site, or if the baby has, um, an umbilical line, a central line, which we call a UAC or a UVC. So sometimes it's not always possible on the belly, but there's definitely ways you can incorporate your soft touch. Babies also really like a soft touch on the head. And then there's a little technique that we'll use where you start at the top of the forehead and then you move slowly down the nose. Mm -hmm. When babies are trying to settle, that's a really nice little move. It has to do with, I don't know if you're familiar with energy work, but that's, you know, where your one of your chakras is right there in the middle of your forehead. And so a calming way to help them calm is to do a slow move down the forehead, down to the nose, and that will help kind of calm baby. It's not always good if baby's overly excited and, you know, the stimulation is too much, but in situations where they're just a little fussy and you're trying to get them to, you know, just kind of calm down, that's a great little soft and move. The massage, is it more for bonding or calming the baby? Both. It's okay. like both. Okay. It's a good, I think having any positive touch is good for parents or, you know, whoever it may be and baby. And I think at this point, everybody knows the benefits of skin to skin and kangaroo care, but can you touch on that? Quickly? Yeah. So in the NICU, that's definitely something that we always try and prioritize, right? Our priority is to make the experience in the NICU as, despite the situation, as positive as you can. I will say not every baby immediately and not every parent is going to be able to skin to skin just based on whatever the clinical situation may be or the clinical status. We've had parents who, you know, are able skin to skin within a day. And then, you know, parents who unfortunately due to surgeries or things may happen, it may be weeks and maybe it just, you know, it's all over the board. So in that case, let's say you're in a situation where you cannot skin to skin. We, you know, do the hand hugs. We'll have mom and dad or parent or whomever it may be, or mom and mom. Um, do diaper changes with us, do the assessments, you know, we talk them through, we'll do the weights together, you know, we'll explain to them what we're doing and as we're doing it, they participate in as much as they can. And then when it's time to skin to skin, it's 
very exciting for the first time, especially. Typically, what we'll do is have mom and or dad who or whoever it may be um, put on either a, a gown like a one of the lovely chic, you know, hospital gowns and then put baby right onto the skin. So, you know, they're right on there. And that actually is a really interesting thing because babies are able to regulate with your heartbeat. They're able to regulate with their respirations and your respirations. They're able to really kind of sync up. And then we typically will position them. A lot of our babies are on respiratory support of some sort and then also potentially IVs and, you know, a lot of wires, but we definitely try and make it happen as soon as we can. And then typically you'll have the nurse and the RT helping to really facilitate this. And I like to really talk my parents through what I'm doing. So I'll explain to them, okay, so I'm going to lift baby up and I'm going to bring to you. We're going to put our foot here. I'm going to move the head this way. Just kind of talk through it. That's my style. You know, everyone's a little different, but I find that people have a little less anxiety or like get a little less nervous you know, when you're really talking it through or really understanding what's happening. And then typically we try, I will say most NICU nurses really love it. If you can do it at least an hour, sometimes two or three, like to be honest, the longer, the better, just because if it's timed with the feeds, babies can, if you're interrupting their feeding time, let's say the feed's going over half an hour through a feeding tube and you have to get up for whatever reason, they may have a little spit up or emesis. So we always try and be really considerate and of the baby, right? It's we're on baby's time. We're always on baby's time. We're and they do, it's baby time. Yep. It's always on baby's time. And typically they are, we're on pretty strict schedules. I will say NICU, we're very much into schedules. 8, 11, 2, and 5, or 9, 12, 3, 6. Those are feeding times typically. Every three hours we're doing something. And again, that's circumstantial based on this sometimes babies who are surgeries different situations, whatever it may be. But the longer, the better, especially if baby's tolerating it. If baby's tolerating it, like, I'm like, you could stay here all night and I could just, you know, figure out a diaper change and, you know, we make it work. If baby's not tolerating it, then, you know, as with the parents typically we'll say, Hey, like, okay, what do you think? Are we being a sinker and we're just not liking this today? And, and that's okay. And then we go back to bed and sometimes baby will unexpectedly poop or something will happen or we'll pull air out of the tube. And you're like, oh, that's why they were so uncomfortable. You know, it's just funny. Well, how babies... why, would, why would they not tolerate it though? So lots of different reasons. When we are giving support to babies respiratory wise, uh, we are often giving them support in the lungs, but we're also inadvertently pushing air into the belly. So the belly will fill up with air, which can be uncomfortable, right? So we're constantly trying to pull air out of the tubes or make sure that they're still stooling and passing gas and getting all their air out. It could be a feeding issue. A lot of our littles in terms of feeds, when you start the feeding process, it's a battle of respiratory versus tolerating feeds. So what I mean by that is, you know, it's kind of like if you go into a diner and you sit down and you have this big burger and fries and you have a milkshake and you're sitting down slumped over and you're like, oh my God, I'm so full. I can't even breathe. It's kind of the same thing for a preemie, right? They're like battling the, I have all this food in my belly, but I also need to breathe. So those are sort of, it's like chicken or the egg. So sometimes it can be an issue with feeding. You know, sometimes babies are just like, I'm over it today. Like I don't, they get these little personalities and you just never know, you know, you just kind of learn them and 
we have a lot who are kind of princess in the pea and they need to be specifically positioned a very specific way and other babies who you just put them on and they just like fall asleep right away and they're like I don't care I could stay here all day every day you know so that's a silly question with the skin to skin I I imagine always they're on their tummy but are they ever just laying on their back or no like on their on your chest is that a thing so on the back I would say is less and the reason for that is there's actually specific re- no no it's a good question so the reason we put baby directly on right so their belly facing down heads face left or right is because when babies have you ever seen or you, i'm sure you're familiar with your baby when they do that tremor right they're out there they are reaching up and they do this oh, tremor thing right more right so that is the baby looking for boundaries. When babies are in this perfect little, you know, cocoon, it's warm, it's beautiful, it's quiet, it's dim. They have this natural thing where they reach out and then the uterus or the their boundaries are brought back, right? So everything's back to core. And when you bring everything back to core, that's their safe space. Typically, babies will get much more organized when you bring everything back to the core. And so that's why if you flip them over, they're more potentially most exposed right so it's a beautiful thing when you have the natural boundaries where okay their legs are tucked in their arms are in and so it's a very comforting thing for them yeah no that makes total sense to me and then the last one I want to touch on before we before we let you go because this is such a good one ask for the nurses you like yes Oh, I love this, right? We're I, I think, honest here. No, it's it's such an enlightening statement because I think as a as a mom, and especially in this, you know, it's it's chaotic, you're postpartum, you don't know what's going on, you didn't expect it. I think the last thing you think is, can I speak up and ask for the nurse yeah. I like? And it is so yeah. comforting to hear from you. Yes, you can. Yeah, you so can tell us like how to do that, what's best, what if you yeah, want uh, the nurse, like how do you kind of navigate that as the parent? It is complicated. And I will say this, like every healthcare provider, all charge nurses hate me right now because they know this is like very controversial. So on our end for that, we consider the most, I will say is staffing. So and staffing in nurse world is, has been just crazy, right? There's a lot going on in nurse world right now. A lot of travelers, a lot of things going on, a lot of movement. And some things that we have to consider are, you know, for certain nurses can take certain babies based on their levels of years of experience and whatnot. So there's a lot of that to consider. Now, you as a parent, if there are certain providers, you know, or there's a nurse that you really love, you know, communicate with them and say, hey, I really enjoyed your care, you know, would you be up for taking care of baby more often or signing up? Not every NICU does uh, what we call primary, primary care or associates, but a lot of NICUs do. So if it's possible, you say, hey, can we, you know, do that? And also on the flip side, if you're not getting along with someone, it's okay to vocalize that. I say that loosely and, you know, it is tough. Again, it's one of those things on our end that it comes down to staffing. It comes down to a lot of the you kind of like external forces that may or may not work with you. But I will say if there's something that's just not sitting well with you, it's okay to vocalize that, you know, and it's okay to communicate. I will say when parents communicate in a nice, in a soft manner, it's much easier. I do know our emotions, emotions can get very high. People can get very frustrated and vocal, but it's nice when we can communicate, say, Hey, like I had this nurse the other night and, or I will say this too, if you can do it in time or the next day or as close to the situation as possible. If you had a bad experience, you know, just try and say, Hey, like the last night, 
I didn't love this. And, or maybe you can explain to me why she did that. And I just didn't love that. And then typically they'll say, okay, like, you know, we'll definitely try and figure out what the situation was and, you know, pair you with someone better. And if you, on the flip side, if you say, oh my gosh, we love that nurse, you know, you can let them know and say, if she's available, we would love to have her. So definitely good to communicate. One thing that happened with me and being a fourth time mom, I realized, yeah, you can speak up. I I also, prior to starting Dreamline Baby, worked in medical device space for 10 years. So I know oh, yeah. about teaching institutions and I know what happens mm-hmm. And I was at giving birth to my fourth child and they were putting the IV in my arm and they were training somebody. And I have kind of small veins and a lot of times they'll use a butterfly needle and even more experienced nurses will miss and not do it again. And so they had this girl do it that had never... Mm-hmm. She was training and I was mm. already like having a ton of contractions. I was in a lot of pain. Like I was super yeah. uncomfortable. And then I had this person just poking me over and, and oh, yeah. five times, my husband was like enough, like yes. enough. Cause I was literally crying at that point. And yeah. we're like, this is not the moment to teach. No. How, you know? And so I think it's really like that. I was so grateful he was there because I was just so like flustered mm. and disoriented. And I was just like, Oh, the pain. And you know, you love, love that. that too. And I will say that's exactly the time when the partner steps up. Like, I love that. Cause that is the time for partners to like, okay, like I see this as not an issue. I'm stepping up and I'm verbalizing it. So that's great. You Wonderful. Also decline. If you are in a teaching hospital, you have to sign that you are allowing the teaching to happen. And I think for the most part, like it's great if you're in a normal birth and a normal delivery and all these things to allow that. Right. That's fantastic. But if you are any part like uncomfortable or you're in the NICU and you feel like your child, you want your infant to have a different type of care, you cannot sign that form and say, I do not want anybody who is not experienced touching my child. I never knew about. And after working in the OR and seeing fellows do parts Mm. of surgery and mess up, I'm like, no, 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 no. If I'm ever going to surgery, it's nobody except for the, the surgeon, the surgeon that has experience is going to, you know, perform. On yeah. Me. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, and someone like, like, welcome to, yeah, you can watch, you can do it, but I would prefer that. And absolutely. You can definitely verbalize that. Absolutely. Um, oh my gosh. We could talk all day. I love your love energy. It. I would Thank love you. you as my, you know, knock on wood, no one ends up in the NICU, but if they do, the jackpot is with you as their nurse. Oh, I know that for you. sure. Oh. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media and any of the other places. You can find me on Instagram. That's at nurse Tori, T-O-R-I. And it's a little underscore because of nurse, nurse, the actual nurse Tori was already taken, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me on TikTok. That's at nurse Tori as well. And then I do have my blog, which I'm actually in the process of doing like an updated overhaul, which I'm really excited about. And this blog is full of amazing material in there. That's tipsfromtori.com. And there are quite a few blogs there in there, the Holy Grail of NICU podcasts for any of my parents out there that are looking for to hear from other, I have anything from neonatologists to NICU parents to NICU parents who are innovators and creating products and so many amazing things. And then also we have the 14 NICU preemie gifts and tips, lots of amazing things on there for you guys, if that's something that you're interested in and yeah. So you can find me on all those, those platforms. Tori, thank you. And this podcast today was centered around one of her blog posts. We will include that in the show notes. Check her out. Thanks guys. Awesome. Thank you so much.